Our scripture reading for today comes from Deuteronomy 26, verses 1 through 11. I read from the New Revised Standard Version. When you have come into the land that the Lord your God is giving you as an inheritance to possess, and you possess it and settle in it, you shall take from, from some of the first fruits of the ground which you harvest from the land that the Lord your God has given you, and you shall put it in a basket and go to the place that the Lord your God will choose as a dwelling for his name. You shall go to the priest who is in office at that time and say to him, Today I declare to the Lord your God that I have come into the land that the Lord swore to our ancestors to give us. When the priest takes the basket from your hand, and sets it down before the altar of the Lord your God, you shall make his, this response before the Lord your God. A wandering Aramean was my ancestor. He went down into Egypt and lived there as an alien, few in number, and there he became a great nation, mighty and populous. When the Egyptians treated us harshly and afflicted us by imposing hard labor on us, we cried to the Lord, the God of our ancestors. The Lord heard our voice and saw our affliction, our toil, and our oppression. The Lord brought us out of Egypt with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm, with a terrifying display of power and with signs and wonders. And he brought us into this place and gave us this land a land flowing with milk and honey. So now I bring the first of the fruits of the ground that you, O Lord, have given me. You shall set it down before the Lord your God and bow down before the Lord your God. Then you, together with the Levites and the aliens who reside among you, shall celebrate with all the bounty that the Lord your God has given to you and to your house. So who's ready for Thanksgiving? Few of you are ready. Most of you are still getting ready, right? We're ready to celebrate. Everybody's got their turkey plans, as I call them. You're getting ready for that big spread that you will put out for family and friends. So I was sharing with the kids, I really like the term for Thanksgiving day in Spanish, acción de gracias, because it really talks about the act of thanksgiving, the action that has to be accompanying our thanksgiving. Why? Because I think talk is cheap. We can say thank you all day long and not act as if we're thankful. We can say it with our lips and not have it in our hearts. And so I like the act of thanksgiving Because think about it, when you sit at the meal with your family and you have this huge spread in front of you, you're basically saying, I am really thankful for you around the table right now that are here sharing this meal with me. When you sit down at that meal, you will practice your tradition of Thanksgiving however you do it. And everybody does it a little different, right? Everybody has their own way of celebrating Thanksgiving because you, you see, 
At Thanksgiving, we get family, friends, and those we invited and those that just showed up. And so you have all kinds of people around the table. And in our house, we have a rule. No gratitude, no food. You've got to share around the table what you're thankful for before we let you eat. And you can't copy other people's answers because the kids tend to just want to repeat what the last person said. And sometimes we'll go around and I'll say, okay, that was the first round. Let's go again and again until I'm satisfied that I feel like you're really thankful. And that's the tradition. Everybody has to take a turn around the table sharing what they're thankful for, and we don't take one-word answers because we want you to really be able to express your thanksgiving. The Bible teaches us that we are to be thankful all the time. Not sometimes, not things were going well, not when you're feeling blessed. Every single day of our lives, we're supposed to be thankful to God. We want gratitude to be in our hearts. And think about that. Why would God want us to be filled with gratitude? Well, I think one of the reasons for that is because when we're filled with gratitude, there's less room for complaining. There's less room for us to be down on ourselves because we're too busy thanking God for all the good that we have experienced in our lives. We teach gratitude to our children, don't we? Have you ever heard a parent or an adult turn to a child and say, what do you say? What do you say? And the kid will look up and be like, I'm supposed to know this one. Right? We train them from when they're as, as young enough to say the words, thank you, we train them to be thankful because we want our children not to grow up with a feeling of entitlement like they deserve everything, right? We want them to be able to express that thanksgiving to anyone who does something good for them, anyone who is kind to them, anybody who shows them love. Thank you. And when they say it, we celebrate, right? Yeah, that's the right thing to say. Good job. But you know what happens if you don't train them? They'll grab the candy that was just given to them and run before you can even get a word in. Why? Because they're concentrated on the blessing that they're receiving and not on the one who is given the blessing. Before we go too far, that's exactly what we do sometimes. We enjoy the blessings of God, and sometimes we get so caught up in the blessings, we forget to say thank you. We forget to express thanksgiving to God. That's why we teach our children, because we don't want them to grow up forgetting to say thank you. We need to apply that rule to our lives as well. We teach them, any good thing done for you, you say thank you. So I want to ask you, what good thing has God done for you today? Did you say thank you? Did we wake up this morning and say, thank you, Lord, for another day? Did we step out of bed and say, thank you, Lord, because I can walk? There's people that can't walk. 
Did we get up and walk out and get in our car and say, thank you, Lord, because I've got a vehicle to make it to church? Did we thank God for the things that happen every day that we take for granted? Because we don't want our children to take things for granted, but how many things do we take for granted? We take it as a given that tomorrow the sun will shine and that there'll be another day. Yet it's not guaranteed, is it? We could be called home tonight. Our scripture today in Deuteronomy is all about learning and training ourselves to be thankful. It is all about helping us not to forget what God has done. It is about helping us not be the kid that receives the candy and just runs to eat it. It is about helping us to learn to live with grateful hearts. When we receive blessings, we are right to be excited about them. They're gifts from God. But God still wants us to express our thanksgiving. Think about the story of the ten lepers that Jesus sent off to go see the priest. And on the way, they're all healed. And how many come back? Just one. That's a pitiful response. One out of ten was thankful. So Jesus wanted them to be thankful for the blessing. He wanted them to rejoice in their healing, but he still wanted them to come and give praise to God for their healing. But we are bad about praying for blessings, receiving them, and then forgetting the God who blessed us in the first place. Have you ever had somebody go, hey, pray for me. I need a new job. I need an opportunity. I want to do this. I want to do that. And so you join them in prayer, and you pray with them, and they finally get the job, and you never see them in church again. Or they get that blessing that they were praying for or that healing that they were praying for, and all of a sudden they don't remember to honor God with their time, their tithe, and their, their presence. We need to remember to be thankful to the God who blesses us and provides for our needs. Otherwise, we will fall into the bad trap of being ungrateful children to the God who provides for us. So let's look at the scripture a little more closely because one of the things that really strikes me about the scripture is that God is teaching the people of Israel to be thankful before they have received the blessing. He is teaching them about thanksgiving before they have anything to be thankful for because he hasn't delivered on the promise yet. He tells them when you enter the promised land and possess it, and they're dwelling in it, this is what you'll do. They don't have it yet, folks. They have not received a single little strip of land when this scripture is being shared with them, when this message is being given to them. They don't have any of that. When you have come into the land that the Lord your God has given you as an inheritance to possess it, and you possess it and settle in it, this is what you'll do. In these words, God was promising they were going to succeed in taking the land. He was saying, the victory is already yours. 
So many times we come to God with our, with our request, and God says, I've already got it. I've already been working on that. And we're still going, how's that going to happen? And we're still trying to figure it out. And God is saying, when you receive it, do this. And we're going, but I don't have it yet. Where's our faith and our trust there? God was telling the people to trust that if he promised it, he was going to do it. When you inherit the land, when you get there, get yourself a basket. Get yourself a basket. Because you're going to need it. Why are you going to need a basket? Because there's going to be fruit. There's going to be a harvest out of the land that I am giving you. There's going to be blessing. It's not if there's a blessing. It's when there's a blessing, you'll need your basket. So get it now. Might as well get ready. How many times does God simply say, take your cup and turn it up because I want to fill it? Before it's ever happened, God is already saying, prepare yourselves for the blessing that I will pour out. And before you see anything happen, just be ready. Oh, there's so many stories in Scripture about this. Poor Noah built an ark and there wasn't a drop of rain. Think about it. Everybody thought he was nuts. But God knew what was coming. And God is basically saying, turn your cup up, be prepared, get yourself a basket. You don't see it yet, but the land will be yours. There will be a harvest. And when that harvest comes in, I want you to take the first fruits of all the fruits of the land. He, this is not a tax. This is not a membership fee. This is not take a deduction here and there and then bring whatever's left. This is take the first fruits of all that the land produces. Put it in your basket and bring it to the priest who is in office at that time. I think God knew we would be itinerant as preachers and ministers and priests because he just knew that we'd be moving around. He said, who, I don't care who it is. Whoever's in office at that time, in the place where my name is being proclaimed, bring him your basket. And I want to ask you, is God's name proclaimed here? Is Jesus' name lifted up Sunday after Sunday? Is the power of the Holy Spirit poured out in this place on a regular basis? Then this is the place where God is telling you to bring your basket. Because this is the place where his name is lifted up and where his spirit dwells. Before you enter that land, he's already telling you to grab that basket and bring it before that priest. God knew that there would be a place for you to bring it. And he knew that place would change over time. For them, it became the temple. Before that, it was a tent. I mean, it wasn't anything to look at until they built the temple. But what made it special was not the building. It was the presence of God. What makes Skyland special is not the building. It's that God dwells in this place with us as his people. It is that we continue to proclaim the name of Jesus as the name above all other names in which to be saved. Today, that place is here. And so he says, bring that basket, bring him the first fruits, the best that you have, 
bring it the very first produce that you collect. And you know, God has always given us God's best. Think about it. He's sitting in heaven and going, these people need saving, and I've tried messengers, and I've tried prophets, and I've tried even angels, but they need my best. I'm coming in the flesh in Jesus Christ. I'm going to come and dwell among them, and I'm even going to die for them that they might live. God gave us his best. I've always said if it was up to us and we were in glory, we'd probably be like, I'm going to find another way to save them. I'm not going down there. Too good up here. And yet God chose to become one of us and to take on flesh and dwell among us. The giving of baskets was not just going to be about an offering or a tithe, though. And this is where the scripture, I think, tries to get us to go deeper than just an act of thanksgiving to an attitude of thanksgiving. When you brought your basket before the priest, you were to declare what was in your basket. I bring the first fruits from the land that the Lord your God has given me. It was a recognition that these fruits already belong to the God who gave them in the first place. And I am simply honoring God with that which he deserves. And I am declaring that he's already given us the victory in taking the land before I even get it. He's already telling them, you're going to declare victory on that day because you're going to say, I took the land that God gave me because he said it was mine. And then after you hand over the basket, it's not over. After you hand all over the offering, it's not over. After you give your tithe to the church, it's not over. Thanksgiving continues in the retelling of your story. It continues when you admit that you were a wandering Aramean, that your family came as aliens to Egypt that they were poor and needy, and God multiplied them and gave them so much that they then fell as slaves to the Egyptians and were oppressed. And in the middle of their oppression, they called out to God. And God didn't just hear their cries. God acted. And with a mighty hand, God delivered them this is their story. And they were supposed to tell the story when they brought that offering in that time. When they brought it, they were supposed to declare their story so they could remember where God had brought them from. Because telling our story makes us thankful for where we've been and for what God has already done. When I think about their story, I'm the scripture invites me to think about my story, and I want to invite you to think about your story. When Ellen and I got married, we moved into one of those one-bedroom apartments, dorms, she calls them. I call them apartments. 
It sounds better. But it was a one-bedroom and everything else kind of apartment. <laughs> and I remember moving into there, and, and I remember that every single piece of furniture was a different color. And not a pretty color. I'm talking about like 70s rad colors, you know. Because it was a missionary dorm. And the bishop had arranged for it to be our, our living place when we came to serve in Atlanta as newlyweds our very first year. And I remember walking into that place, and, and you literally walked in, and you were in the living room, dining room, kitchen, and you walked this way, and you were in the bedroom, and you walked this way, and you were in the bathroom. And I remember just being thankful to God for the great apartment that we had. I mean, we even had twin beds put together that halfway through the night you had to get up and push back together because they spread apart and you'd go down the middle. And I thought I was in hog heaven because God had given me a place. And I remember that my wife put up with that for about a year. And we started praying to God and said, Lord, give us a place. We want a place of our own where the furniture at least is not four colors. And a year later, God gave us a house, a two-bedroom, one-bath house with a fireplace. And we were again in hog heaven. I was just praising God for my little bit of heaven that God had given me to dwell in. And it was a sense of thanksgiving and praise to God because I never thought I'd buy a house because I hate debt. And I didn't want to buy a house because it means going into debt. But my wife convinced me and we still got it. And we had our first child there. And then we started praying for more room because we wanted to have a bigger family. And God moved us into a two-bedroom. No, Kingston. Two-bedroom. Two-bedroom, one-bath, two-bedroom, two-bath house. In Kingston, that was attached to the church. Don't recommend that, by the way. But again, we thought, thank you, Lord, because you knew that we were going to need it because by the time we got there, Ellenette was already expecting our second child. And we were so grateful and thankful for everything there except for church members walking in in the middle of the day without announcement. That was fun. And then after that, God gave us a three-bedroom because once again, every time we moved, we celebrated and Alanette was pregnant with our third child. <laughs> and again, God was grateful. There was a big yard. There was a big yard. There was, there was a place for the dogs to be. There was a place for the kids to run. And we thank God and we just couldn't believe it that God would do such great things for us. And it wasn't easy. Alanette was not working at the time when we moved there, and I just remember going, Lord, how are we making it exactly? How are we doing this exactly? Because, you know, math doesn't add up. But God is so good. And I remember all these things, and then I remember buying the house that we have not far from here to serve in this area. And I remember going, 
we will never be able to buy a house. We looked at the prices and I almost had a heart attack. And God opened an opportunity and said, trust me. And we did. And we ended up with a five-bedroom, three-bath house, 15 minutes away from here. Literally 15 minutes away from here. God is good. And I remember that when we moved to that house, we're driving uh, on Chambly Tucker, and my daughter, Alicia, is next to me, and on the radio comes one of those, you know, Christian people that is preaching and t teaching, and they're saying, you know, it's not like God's going to give you a new house and a new car and a new job. And, and my, my daughter looks at me and goes, well, it did happen to us. You know, when you tell your story, you begin to realize just where God brought you from. And you can do the same thing. You can tell your story. And it doesn't have to be tied to material things. I can tell that same story with the difficulties that we've had and how much we've overcome. I can tell that same story with the struggles that we had with our children as we were raising them and as Miguel got diagnosed and God brought us through those things and helped us to find the helps that we needed. I can tell that story with illness and with other circumstances that we have experienced. And when you tell your story of how God brought you through it, you're thankful because God is good all the time. What are you thankful for? What is your story? And how are you telling your story? God wanted the Israelites to act out of thanksgiving. And he gave them a practical ritual of bringing their tithes and offerings as a way to reinforce the need for them to engage in a habit of thanksgiving. Do you realize that our tithes and offerings are our thanksgiving to God. It's a recognition that he is the provider of all good things in our lives. It is the faith statement that says that my God will supply every need that I have today, tomorrow, and the next day. It is my declaration that God is already victorious even before I see the victory. It takes faith to not have a stitch of land to call your own and to declare that God will give it to you. How many things has God promised you and then delivered on? That's part of your story. And how many of those things that God has promised you are you still waiting on and praying for? Because that is also part of your story. It's not just the things that we have received. It's also the things that we hope for and anticipate that God will do in our lives. I live every day declaring my son healed in the name of Jesus. I live every day declaring that one day he's going to praise God with his own voice. And I live every day hoping that today is the day that God will do it. On Thanksgiving Day, you're going to be surrounded by family and friends. And people are going to ask you, what are you thankful for?
what do you give thanks for today? And you know, the tendency for us will be to give the one-word answers that the kids always give. Home, family, health, our home, our friends. And I'm going to challenge you not to limit yourself to one-word answers. I'm going to challenge you to share a bit of your story of what God has been faithful in the last year with you. It can be something that you received, but it can also be something that God brought you through. It can even be something that you're still in the middle of. But you see God's hand working on your behalf. You're going to have a captive audience. They won't leave until after pie. Share a bit of your story. Tell your promised land story. What sea has God parted for you to walk on dry land? What wilderness has God accompanied you through to bring you to a better place? And what is God still doing? Because God is not finished with us yet. Even as the Israelites entered the promised land, God continued to be with them and to bless them and to try to guide them. And he wanted them to be able to have grateful hearts. At the end of the scripture, we are told that thanksgiving and gratitude leads to praise. When we are thankful for what God has done, we can't help but praise him for how good he has been to us, even when we don't deserve it. Let your thanksgiving become an action of praise. And let yourself go into his presence every time with thanksgiving. Don't let Thanksgiving be the only day that you're thankful. Practice gratitude every day. I think the challenge for us is not to get caught up in all the blessings, the pudding, the pie, the turkey, even the home or the family, but to remember the one who has blessed us with all of it. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, I just thank you. I thank you, O oh Lord, because you are so good to us. You have brought us from so far and through so much. Lord, we praise you and we give you thanks for the good times and the bad times, the difficult times and the easy times. We thank you, O oh Lord, because through it all, you have never left us. Your faithfulness has been with us day and night. We ask you now, O oh Lord, that you will simply fill our hearts with gratitude to you and that this gratitude will turn into praise as we worship your name today. We ask these things in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. The altar is going to be open if you want to come up for prayer as we pray for thankful and grateful hearts that we may always give God the glory for his provision in our lives.